You are listening to Get Real Podcast. I recall a few years ago, Christmas time, and I'm in a church service, and we're singing old hymns. Some of my favorite songs are Christmas songs. I know you, oh, you're definitely a Christmas and freak. We, we are going to do a Christmas song edition in a, in a couple months here. So, Well, I remember having this revelation. I've, I've kind of mentioned it before, but it was kind of a historic, I don't know, revelation, but thought, okay, where dots connected like crazy. And these particular dots were historical dots. And I was rejoicing over the gospel being given to me. And I thought about my mom. I thought about growing up in the South. I thought about the colonies. I thought about the colonies coming from England and my English, Scottish, Irish ancestry. I thought about the UK or Britannia part of it. I thought about the Roman Empire. I thought about Constantine. I thought about Paul being hindered, trying to get to Rome, shipwrecks, snake bites, natives struggling to get to Rome, historically him losing his head in Rome, but starting the Roman church, the church at Rome, Romans. And I thought, how did that word get to me? I am so blessed. Oh, what blessedness. I have imputed righteousness today because of a message that was from outside of me. I was given it. Someone gave it. Someone loved enough to transmit, to pray for, right? That I would receive that message. And Glenn, I really, really, really through that connected the dots historically all the way from the apostle Paul and Jesus and the disciples going over, fighting his way to get to Rome preaching in Rome. He's in prison. He's writing the epistle to the Romans. The Romans getting passed around, all the bloodshed, all the martyrs, all the things that happen. The decline of the Roman Empire. Constantine embracing at least nominally Christianity. And when the Romans retreated from what we now know as the UK, they left the word and there's a book which might be a dry read, but if you're a nerd like me, you can enjoy it. It's called The Ecclesiastical History of England. And it's by the Venere- Venerable Bede, not the venereal, but the, <laughs> the venereal. Venerable Bede. Oh, okay. B E A D. And I think there's another E on there, maybe. But it's, it's an interesting read from a histor- historical perspective. But, Glenn, the dots connected historically about how the gospel got to me and you know who i'm very thankful to it's those who are called the celtic christians yes it was actually ireland that led to the christianization that's kind of a weird word but it's of the uk as we know it so when the Romans left Britannia, they never settled, you know, above the, what was it? Hadrian's Wall was up north, separating what is known as Scotland right now. That's where the Picts hung out. Blue paint, scary rituals, you know, eat, eat and drink the blood of your dead. You know, they did some right. whack stuff. Yeah. And so you got the crazy Scottish up there. And then you had the, the Angles and the Saxons come in. And there's debate about that historically, whether they invaded or whether it was economic migrants. Mm-hmm. And then you have, there were certain Irish 
that were left with the gospel from the time of when the Romans were there. They had the word. There were certain monasteries. There were um, St. Columbia, which there's a lot of mixture with some doctrine. There's all sorts. This is one of those times where it's hard to discern. The, the Church of Rome was swallowed by the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire kind of became the Church of Rome, and doctrine started degrading. Weird mixture. Strange time. Very strange mixture. Hard to yeah. discern. But there was a beauty, okay, that the Irish led to the gospel being preached in Scotland, England, and all over the UK, and then subsequently it ended up coming to you and I. Amazing. So thank you, Irish brethren. We love you guys. We do. And since we started this podcast, uh, we immediately had Irish listeners from Ireland tuning in that have been faithful with us since the beginning of the Get Real podcast. And thank you all in Ireland for listening to the Get Real podcast. We, and, we love yeah, you all. The love of the Lord. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And with that being said, we're going to venture into Ireland today. Like that was an accident. <laughs> no, it was a good, it was a heartfelt <laughs> intro because I do really yeah. feel thankful to the yeah. people that have gone before. What if the gospel never hit my ears, right? You would not be able to, you, you could not say to me that we'd live forever. Yeah, I couldn't. You, you, you couldn't say that. And today we are going to talk to a precious brother in the Lord in Ireland. His name is Aaron Vaughn Graham. He's been a blessing to the Get Real podcast in Lithos Cry. That's a cool name. Aaron it, Vaughn Graham. It yes. kind of rolls across the tongue. See, I wish I could be pulling up to like a, an expensive country club and I'm like, hello, my name is Aaron Vaughn Graham. Yes. <laughs> I get out of like a, a, a beautiful, some sort of... I don't know, Silver Spur or something. Yes, and he is a worship leader, uh, an influencer, and I want to talk to him more about that uh, because that's a, that's a new term to me. And he has a radio show, uh, He Will Rock You, where he features Christian metal, and you and I were featured on that show uh, with some clips from our interview with Peter from Peter 118 back in July. And that show is heard basically worldwide. Uh, it's heard in Ireland, the UK, Branson, Missouri, California. Um, and he's been a huge blessing and a huge supporter of Lithos Cry. And it's going to be awesome to have him on in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about something that's been just as skewed as the gospel. Well, I guess when the gospel gets skewed and messed up, everything else that's associated with it gets skewed and messed up. Yeah, worship kind of goes sideways. It goes sideways <laughs> really, really quick. And Aaron's got a wonderful perspective on worship that I really appreciate. And you know, you're listening to a prophetic arts podcast, all right? And when you're talking prophetic arts, yes, we are going to talk about worship, all right? that You're not going it's, to... It's like having a pepperoni pizza without having pepperoni on it if you don't talk about worship so oh, yeah well it's what we were meant to do exactly it's the higher purpose you can't even understand humanity and what limits us and what drives us we're trying to worship we're like i always talk about it but that little kid's storybook at least here in the united states there's a storybook and it's are you my mama and it's this little bird that falls out of the nest and he goes around searching for his mama so he goes up to a bulldozer are you my mama he goes up to a hound dog are you my mama? That's what we are, Glenn, when it comes to worshiping things. This whole yeah. world, we're like little idolatry engines. We, we were built to worship. We, we were made we, to worship something. Everything. Money, adultery, anything. We're going to go up to it and be like, are you my daddy? You're my God? I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to give my life for money or give my life for uh, sexual 
perversion or give my life for eh, what else? Whatever. Well, we're going to take a quick break while we set up uh, and venture via the World Wide Web and AI technology. And we shall talk to Aaron, Aaron Von, Von Graham. Graham. Love that name. I do. We'll be back with you in just a second. Get real. We'll be soon back. So with us on the Get Real Podcast, we have a wonderful brother in the Lord. Uh, he's been a friend of the podcast and with us cry for quite some time. Aaron Vaughn Graham. He is from Lisburn, North Ireland. He's a Christian singer, songwriter, worship leader, and he's currently signed with the label Raven Faith Records. It's really kind of interesting because a lot of the people that we've interviewed, it's not like we've tried this by you know, design, but they're all pretty much signed to Raven Faith Records. There's really something going on there with that. Uh, his songs, yeah. his songs can be heard across the USA, Canada, UK, Ireland, Europe, South Africa, as well as Australia. Another thing, here's a couple other interesting facts about Aaron is not only is he a worship leader and an influencer, but he also is the host of the He Will Rock You radio show on Cornerstone Christian Radio that can be heard in the UK, Ireland, and places like California and Branson, Missouri. And he featured us on there a few a few months Absolutely. ago. And we really appreciate, uh, appreciate that as well. Aaron, it is absolute pleasure to have you on with us today because we're going to talk about a topic that's near and dear to Dan and I's heart. And it goes in tandem with the gospel, and that's that's worship. Let's talk about yeah, worship. Welcome, welcome to the program. So yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me on your show. Love the accent. We're we're just gonna sit back and, and let you talk. <laughs> it's, yeah, I get this all the time. <laughs> first, Aaron, before you're a worship leader, and you have to understand that Dan and I, we came out of like ten to thirteen years in a cult, so we're kind of. Uh, crawling out from under the rocks a little bit, and we're learning new things and, and new terms. What's what's an influencer? Can you explain that and and how that ties in with with worship? Well, for me, an influencer can influence, um, particularly in a church service. An influencer can influence how the church service falls into a pattern and what's being sung and what's being said in the church. And as a worship leader. I'm an influencer, so I influence what happens on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening inside a church because I'm there at the front, I'm seen at the front, I'm the first person that basically opens the service, and so if things don't go right, then it's up to me, really, you know, so um, so that's how I can influence people, and I can tell people what to do, I can t encourage people what to do. Whether they do it or not is entirely up to themselves, but I do encourage people to stand when we sing because I think it's better for singing, just that's the only reason. Um, but um, that's that's what it would mean by being an influencer, animate for myself. You know, I think that's really important for people to realize is that as a worship leader, and if somebody is a worship leader, they're an influencer. They're going to influence people to move into the presence of God. They have a heavy responsibility that's on their shoulders. It's it's not just getting up there with a guitar being cool, you know? Yeah, it's a, it, it would seem like a completely different dynamic. Personal worship and you're interacting with God on your own versus 
being in a sense of, I don't know whether a psalmist would be a, a component of that, but going in front of God's people and leading them in worship. You're right. That's a big responsibility. How do you you feel, Aaron, that uh, the difference between personal worship and then getting there and actually in, in leadership, is it uh, laborious? Is it natural? Is it depending on what's going on in you and in, in the crowd of people that's assembled? What would uh, elaborate, please? Well, some, you know, sometimes personal worship's a lot easier um, because it's just you and God and he sees all the frailties and he sees all the the nooks and crannies as i would say in my life and you know before i come before him and stuff but sometimes you can go into a particular worship service or church and you can sense sometimes that things are not just right so you you may have planned to sing a certain song and then you you feel this leading and direction maybe to go for a breakthrough song to break through whatever there's a tension sometimes I guess it's being spending that time with God beforehand, knowing exactly where you're leading and where He's leading to you by the Holy Spirit. So yeah, there's a big difference. It's a lot easier for personal worship for me, but um, whether I worship in front of a hundred people, a thousand, or a handful of people, I treat everything the same. I just be myself and just be led by what the Spirit of God's leading me to do things, and that's that's just how it is. A lot of people have a misconception about what worship is. They think it's just the tunes at the beginning of church, okay, at, a, at the beginning of a service. A fast song, a slow song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do a fast song, we're going to do a slow song, and then, you know, whatever song afterwards, and then special music. Remember that? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> some bad memories yeah. with that. Um, but it's much more than that. Worship is more than music. Can you help our listeners understand what true worship is or what worship can be defined as? Well, of course, um, when we look at John 4, uh, 23-24, it talks about worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And, uh, well, really, worship, I'm going to say this, might burst people's bubble to understand this, but it's nothing to do with music at all. Um, Music is just a tool that we use to worship God. Um, but if you look at the whole term, because I've heard people say to me they don't understand what it means to worship God in spirit and in truth as the Bible talks about. But what happens for me, this is what I feel, is that when we worship God, we've got to remember that God is spirit. He's spirit first and foremost. He doesn't have a fleshly body like we do. But our human bodies, ourselves, are made up of three. We're spirit, soul and body. And it's when our spirit connects with God, as we're worshipping in the spirit, and we're connecting with God's spirit, and we're connecting with our own spirit. Hmm. And then when it talks about worshipping in truth, well, that's being sincere in what we're doing. That we're not being the pretense and pretending, but we're being real before God. And uh, I could elaborate a lot more on that, um, if you want me to. Oh, please do. Yeah, well, I'll tell you where I come from because I really feel that worship, in a sense, in the church body and the body of the whole has become all about music and it's become all about these things. Uh, But there's a lot of things that we're not really worshipping God the right way. We're not worshipping in spirit and in truth. And because when we look at church services, a lot of churches, and I'm, I'm not particularly picking on any particular church, I'm just observing because I've been doing this for over 20 years. And uh, if I'm speaking too quickly, tell me, because my accent is quite strong at times. Um, 
But I've been doing this for over 20 years and I've seen a lot of things change over the years. Some things I don't like, I'll just be honest with you. But I'll say this, um, our church buildings are set out like theatres. Think about it. You've got a stage and you've got the, the audience with the people sitting on the, the, the seats or whatever, pews or whatever type of church you're at. And you've got this big stage and first of all you'll see the band will come on and they're really looking slick and it looks all good and you know and uh, it, it's almost become like theatre, it's entertainment to people. And I hear so many people saying that they don't enjoy a certain type of worship so they'll leave and go somewhere else because they're not being entertained. And uh, really worship is not anything to do with entertainment. Worship is about giving, it's not about getting. And uh, that's that's somewhere that's very dear to my heart right now is that we need to understand that worship is all about giving to God, the glory. And it's not about elevating a man or a team of worshippers on a stage. I mean, there's places and times for that. There's rock concerts, you can have concerts and stuff. I'm not against anything like that, but I believe that the church has to be different, has to be set apart. And we need to be different. I mean, we're not there to entertain people. And, uh, you know, I was watching a video recently of a, a dear worship leader that's a big influence in what I do in my songwriting and as a worship leader, Brian Dorkson. I don't know if you've heard of Brian Dorkson. No, I haven't. And he's from Canada. And what he did was he came off the stage and he went on level ground with everyone else. And I just thought, wow, that mm. is powerful. So yeah. what I'm saying to you is that sometimes the worship team is elevated to be something great and it's something that people are entertained by. And to be honest with you, I've, I've seen worship teams um, and a lot of it's really good music, but if you can understand what I'm going to say here, there's no anointing with it, mm -hmm. there's no connection with the spirit, and it's just music. And as I say to people, well, if that's all you're there for to be entertained, you might as well be down at the pub because you're going to the church for the wrong reasons. Mm. So it's something very dear to my heart, as you can understand. Yeah, I think that's, I guess, even scripturally, there's a massive reminder of the dangers of being a worship leader and being tempted into self-exaltation. Just with the example yeah. of Lucifer, yeah. uh, and and so I've I've dealt with seeing this observationally, and I've actually been mildly involved with leading worship before in, in the past, and the the awkwardness of feeling. I, I know in personal worship for me, I would say the highlight is kind of the juxtaposition between wanting to bow into the floor in complete invisibility and adoration of God to not obscure yep. one ounce of light of his glory while at the same time there's part of me that would want to scream at the top of my lungs in celebration or or you know or, or to dance wildly or to to proclaim at the same time or encourage other people to worship but it's kind of that weird dichotomy of those two sort of emotions for me at least in my mind and when i heard you say that 
this gentleman went onto the floor is the same level. I, it just that seems so God honoring, not in a legalistic sort of way. I'm not going to dog anybody that's up there on the stage or the platform for whatever sonic reason or, or ease of playability or whatever. But it's it seems like a beautiful gesture to be able to help people. I've thought about if I were in this situation of doing it again. At times, I would want to put my back to the crowd, not in disrespect, but as far as, no, I'm looking at him as well. Let's let's go before the king. But those, those are touching words. Those are touching words. But, you, you know, as I say, you come into that level, Brian, and it's just you, and you're, you're no better than anyone else, really, and you're just there to worship God. And also in the churches, what you see today is that um, the, the buildings are... Um, Lit very dark. There's a very a lot of darkness inside, and it's almost like, as I say, <coughs> excuse me, a rock show. And these strobing lights came on, and it's all flashy and stuff. And you know, they're even telling. I, I was reaching, I was watching a video just the other day, and they're they're even promoting auto tune for worship. And I'm going, this is so wrong because we need to be authentic. We need to be real before God. Um. And God loves uh, God loves us, and He He just wants us to be ourselves. And uh, so I think I think sometimes I think where the church is at right now is that it's become entertainment. It's an entertainment center, and uh, it's 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 the wrong reason why we should be going to church to worship God. As I say, uh, something my wife even said to me today. She says, "What what about a hundred years ago when they didn't have all the technology that we have?" that we're told that we have to use by certain people. I mean, worship in a, as a business is megabucks. They're making a lot of money out of a lot of people and a lot of churches. Um, and uh, they're telling us that we have to do things a certain way. I'll show you this with you as well, because recently I was in a church service. I was across the water in England. I was singing in a church, and I was about to lead worship, and the sound system broke. And... Uh, so I just went unaccompanied with mic, no mics, nothing. And it was a powerful time. And as soon as the service was over, the PA system started to work again, mysteriously. And uh, I thought, you know, that was showing me that, you know, sometimes we rely on these things for us to worship God when it's, it's really nothing to do with those things at all. Mm. They're just tools to help us. Worshiping in spirit and truth is that it's got nothing to do with the stuff, is, is basically what you're saying, but it has to do with God's spirit. And when God's spirit anoints it, it will move other people's spirits. And going back to John chapter 4, when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, at, at Jacob's well in Shechem, and he was talking about the time is, na- the time is coming and the time is now that people will worship in spirit and truth, what that really... that that whole thing there that Jesus is talking about, that whole account is a wonderful story of spiritual regeneration and being born again. And yeah. it's hard to worship when you're not saved. Exactly. <laughs> so I think, I think what's happened with the gospel, because the gospel has been so twisted into, well, you got to work this and you got to work that. And then you got the prosperity garbage and all this. And oh, then, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then you got people there, they're there in their flesh and that's all they can understand is entertainment. That's well, it. it. It's one thing that Aaron, I appreciate after listening to many of your songs, um, they're meaty with the word. If I knew your songs and I was stranded on a deserted island, I, I could teach really good Sunday school. I mean, there's the word, it's powerfully there. I think bad doctrine 
lack of conversion, lack of a heart for God, lack of intimacy, lack of revelation lead people to worship just goes all sideways. It's it's not really worship. It becomes a forum for self-exaltation. It becomes the temptation would be right there. Um, you and I discussed, I know I sent you that little thing, and I'm not trying to expose anyone specifically, right. but some huge names in, quote, worship. And mm-hmm. I heard them speaking, and the subtlety, well, it was glaring to me, but the subtlety of just, it's all about self. It's all about God. You make me feel so groovy, as opposed to behold the holy one right let let me bow before thee let me essentially well we'll use instruments but it's leading up to my heart wanting to bow before you in speechless adoration for thanksgiving of washing me clean and giving me salvation and it was more like god you're so groovy you're like my girlfriend it was casual it was it was and and i i love the fact that all three of us I don't believe that we have traditional bones to pick with necessarily what type of music or what type of look or what to, you could. I mean, I don't want to be worldly in that sense. I don't want to copy the world in another sense. But at the same time, I'm not legalistic about uh, the type of guitar. I don't care. But that heart of worship, you know, bad doctrine leads to really weird music. It was I left a comment. It was basically a young lady that is in front of it has to be 10 to 20,000 people listening to her and she's in her 20s she's very popular she's a known name in worship and praise global Mm -hmm. and she's giving a testimony and i would put that in quotes and i don't say this i grow weary of a lot of things on youtube you'll find the guy with the weird critical spirit that's always trying to be like well you're not doing it like we do it and we're exclusively true and you it's not that hard i listened longing to hear something redemptive or longing to understand and the giving of her testimony and her talking about leading worship i've learned an awful lot about being in the christian music business um i've had some contact with some people in the Christian music business who have been well known uh, years ago and they told me now that a lot of our Christian music is controlled by the major record labels that's all the big Christian labels or other all the other controlled by Universal, Warner Brothers or Sony and um, they control them all um, because they've seen there's money to be made in worship that it's controlled it concerns me that it, you know controlled by major record labels yeah. and yeah, fortunately, I mean, you've got your new songs, you've got your Bethel. They're all controlled by Capital, who are owned by Universal Music. So, I mean, they're they're dictated to what they have to do. And um, because I'm with a label like Raven Faith Records, I'm an independent. Uh, they don't tell me what to do. They just help me with distribution and promotion and things like that. There, but certainly, I know artists who are on labels, and uh, they're dictated to that they have to be a certain place at a certain time and they have to release their albums in a certain date and a certain time. I mean there's just so much control there and uh, years ago a lot of the big Christian artists were told to drop Jesus out of their music and uh, did it and were quite successful, made a lot of money but now they're paying the debts and I've heard recently that a lot of them are actually in Nashville delivering pizzas to try and pay off their debts. So wow. and that comes from people who are in the industry. Wow. Wow. Well, it, 
I think for other listeners, because we have a lot of artists that listen to us, and they might minister to their music, they may do do worship, and most of them, this I think would be their heartbeat. We've met yeah. great people and had great people. In- interviews, but it's like the openness to, if need be, embrace anonymity, um, to have to make tents on the side. <laughs> to be able to pay your way or do whatever you can so that when you go before God with clean hands and a pure heart to lead his people or to make an album, that there would be that anointing. There would be that countenance of God, that fragrance of God upon it, doing God's work in the earth and not just mammon. Really? You want to make it? Then it's so lukewarm. It's who needs worship music that's not really worship music. That has no real heart behind it. That is salt that's lost its savor. It's not even worth, you know, filling a pothole with. You know, it's, it's, what does it do? There's plenty of entertainment. Go see a rock show if I want yeah. to see a rock show. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. That's grieving. Uh. But yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I personally, as a worship leader, singer, songwriter, I always put God first in what I, my lyrics. And I like to base my songs in scripture. I like to challenge people. I like to challenge myself because it's where I'm at at the particular time when I'm writing a song. And uh, two years ago, I released an album called Not About Us. And uh, the song Not About Us was basically a bit of a stab at the church, to be honest with you, if I'm being honest. And because, as I say, I see the church as entertainment. And uh, when people come out for prayer and they, they get their little kick, you know, they get prayed for and... They get this little touch from the Holy Spirit, and it's as if they're treating God like a drug dealer. Hmm. Um, that's the only way I can put it, because you look at Simon the Sorcerer in the book of Acts, where he wanted to buy the Holy Spirit. And another name for sorcerer, um, of course, is where we get the word pharmacist. When you look in the actual Greek of the word, you'll find that the word pharmacist there. So he was a drug dealer. So, But so many times we treat God, the Holy Spirit, like our drug dealer. We go to church on the Sunday and we start living our life as normal the rest of the week. We let God down and we don't, you know, we don't really care much about church. And then we come back here and we get our little touch again and we walk away. So it's like we go to church just to get our drug, drug fix, basically. And that's a sad thing. And so the song that I wrote, Not About Us, was to let people realize that we do not we should never go to church to expect to get anything because it's about giving god the glory him first and foremost at the end of the day we are just servants of the most high that's who we are we're nothing special we're made of bones we're you know we're just made of bones and dust part of the song says and it's not about us it's all about him and it's all about him getting the glory and you know the church needs to get back to that I mean, a few years ago, I heard songs coming into worship services like Get on the Bus, and there's all this stuff that just, it, it was just, it wasn't worship. It, it just wasn't worship. And it, it, it's sad that we've got to that stage, you know, but I felt for myself bringing that album out that maybe, this is what I was thinking, that maybe with my song going out there, that people will start to realize that it isn't about me at all, it's not about self. You know, I'll share this with you, and I can talk quite a bit as you can understand. But Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live, I now live by faith in God. And in 1996, God revealed something to me about that verse of Scripture. 
And I placed my name there instead of the I, but that I spoke of all my flesh, everything that was self, self, and everything about my fleshly nature has been crucified with Christ. It no longer lives. So at the end of the day, what I want out of my life doesn't really matter. It's about giving God the glory. And because I have died on that cross with Christ when he died for my sins, it was put to death. All my sinful, fleshly attitude was put to death. And many times, you know, it's easy to fall into that trap of, you know, you think, well, it's all about me here. And I always remind myself again of that verse of Scripture. It always comes to mind that I've been crucified with Christ. Because the devil will use that against you when you start becoming, you know, oh, your songs are doing good here. People are being blessed. And, well, maybe there is something in this you could actually do, you know. But it's not about me. It's about God. And so that's what I've learned as a worship leader. And that's what I'm trying to encourage the listeners who's listening or the church as well. That we need to give back to realizing that it's not about us. It's about God and about giving him the glory. And that doesn't matter whether you're in a church that has a praise band or somebody has a, an organ or just one guitarist. It doesn't really matter. It's just about giving God the glory. So don't use the church's entertainment. Amen. I think that's a really good point. When I survey my own heart and my own doctrinal journey, and I think of the times where I was cold or I was what you were describing, I, I, I came forth. It was usually when I was focusing on the tedium of my own performance rather than recognizing the fullness of Christ. I was, I was in a sin focus on my own failure, whether it was legalistic, you know, or whatever I was doing or whether I just it did something wrong big time or messed up. I was sitting there grieving over my lack of performance, but the times where I felt that I've been drawn into worship wholeheartedly, I think doctrinally I was more focused on his great work on him and it was bigger and it was not it was me leaving myself focused like what Aaron's talking about and focusing on on the greater thing the messiah losing myself in him and in that beauty because think about it glenn i know you and i in just all the weird places we've been we've been on every extreme mm -hmm. and which is good because we can relate to people we can right. relate to baptists and, and uh pentecostals and charismatic and people that are all over the map in a lot of different areas um of brethren but at the same time I, I've experienced heights in more contemporary worship of just worshiping God. And then I've also felt almost in just the very calm and reverent singing of meaty hymns. Yes. I felt every fiber of my being worshiping God. So it's a, it's a, it's a dynamic there. I'm not so sure I understand all of it. You know? I, I don't either. I don't either. Because as you know, I, I grew up in the Episcopal church. Yeah. And those hymns, they still move me. Just as much as anything, you know, in the in on the contemporary side, and it really has to do with the spirit of God. It's got nothing to do with us. And, and Aaron, I really do. I like when I was looking at his lyrics. I'm like, this is Bible study, man. It, <laughs> yeah, it was good. It's awesome. So definitely, it's so apparent. It was it was meaty. Yeah. And uh, well, I know, like sometimes I'll be sitting there and I want to worship, and I'll think of five bleeding wounds he bears you know something some great old yeah. hymn and my my it feels like my heart leaps up i lived in los angeles for about three months um when i was young i was in my 20s and uh i remember i went to this one church 
And the worship leader would play a saxophone and he would do a backflip every now and again <laughs> while playing the saxophone. And I remember being impressed with it, but I'm not so sure it really exemplified anything <laughs> as far as um, uh, uh, <laughs> my worship experience. I was, albeit I was impressed, it was pretty amazing feat. And um, But I, I, I'm going to watch closely your ministry and I would like to see some some... You know, maybe a backflip or a. <laughs> no, it's. I can't do backflips. <laughs> yeah, I am not. I I am not surprised that there's such a misconception about worship and about music because the Satan is very angry that we have taken his place and people like Aaron have taken his place in leading worship, and I see that as kind of a. A, that's a heavy, you know, going back to what we said, it's a heavy responsibility and you open yourself up to all sorts of temptation, temptation yeah. attack and everything like that. And Aaron, is there to get to that point of realizing that you were crucified with Christ, as it says in, in Galatians, that that's not just something that you mentally arrive at and stick to something moved in you. Uh, you've been through some things, experiences that keep you in that place of humility and would you mind sharing a little bit about your journey with Christ through worship uh, to, to stay in that place of humility? Um, because I'm sure we have some worship leaders that are listening to the podcast um, that would probably be blessed by that. Yeah, well, as I say, I've been leading worship for about 20 years um, on and off. Before that, I played drums and played a bit of keyboard. Uh, I've only really taken the guitar about six, seven years ago. But um, for me, when you're in front of people, whether it's a hundred people and uh, or a thousand or whatever, you, 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 there is this element sometimes where pride does come in because you're going, "Wow, this this is this is just something else that you're singing in front of people," and you know, and, and you're looking at it and you're going, you know, uh, this the, I, I I could I could show some things that I could do here, you know, and then. And then it's 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 really through God reminding me who He is and what it's about, what worship's about. I mean, Matt Redman um, really wrote a great song called "The Heart of Worship," and I read the book by his autobiography, and he shares the fact that um, again it was a whole worship. The people were looking at him, and it was almost like entertainment and. And they were just sat down in a Bible study one night and they unplugged the guitars and he just started to sing this song coming back to the heart of worship. And, mm, I love that. And, and there's just something God reveals to you by the power of the Spirit. And that's how that verse became real to me. I was just reading my Bible one night and it was 1996. I actually remember the year because I wrote it down in my Bible. and. It just became real to me that to realize that when you're standing in front of those people, your man is dead. This man is dead. And you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so whatever the devil wants to try and bring at me, I always remind him that I have been crucified with Christ. Yeah. And that, that's, that keeps me humble. It keeps me pure before God. Because it is very, very easy to fall into that trap. It's really easy. Um, when I got signed to Raven Faith Records, I was actually quite shocked. Um, but, you know, 
God does these things, and when you get first radio airplay, I was like over the moon. And I mean, now I'm on a hundred plus radio stations across different countries, and you know, it's easy to get proud over that. But at the end of the day, my heart has always been: if I can reach people with the gift that God has given me, then that's job done. And uh, I wrote a particular song about. 2014, I went through a time of depression. I was angry with God. Um, I was very angry with God because I, I had this attitude that you know, oh, you pick yourself up, you know, you'll be okay, everything will be fine, and uh, you know, God will see you through and stuff. And uh, and it wasn't like that. I was angry, and again, God reminded me brought me to the book of Habakkuk because Habakkuk in the Bible he went through some terrible stuff but he moaned and he complained to God and uh, and of course at the end of it he, he rejoiced yes yes but it was during that time it was during that time that I was going through this depression God reminded me of what Jesus went through at the cross you see Jesus knew pain he knew rejection he knew loneliness. Remember what it said in the Bible, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what mm-hmm. he cried out from the cross, taken from the Psalms, of course. And he cried that out. And he, he knew what it was to be forsaken. And God showed me through this that what I thought was so bad, what I felt the way I felt I did, because I felt in a dark place, I have to admit, and I was still going to churches, but I knew that something wasn't quite right. And... Uh, he reminded me of what Christ did at the cross for me. And I wrote this song called Nothing Compares to You, which is basically, no matter what any of us are going through, it will never compare to what Christ went through at the cross. Mm. And just last year, I got a message from a friend in Chicago. And he said to me, Aaron, I'm listening to your song, Nothing Compares to You. My brother's dying of cancer. And this song is really ministering to me. And has been a source of strength to me. And you know what? That made me feel, thank you, Lord, because that is my heart, is to reach people with whatever God has given me. And that's touched a life. And if I can touch a life every day by somebody hearing one of my songs, that's all I care about. I don't care about whether I make money or, or what it is, because, I mean, in the music business, it's very hard to make money. But... My heart is, it's, it's not about fame, it's not about fortune. It's just reaching people for Christ. And that should be always our heart and what we're doing. So I just thought I'd share that with you. But that's where my journey's come, how that's become real, that I have been crucified with Christ. I'm speechless. Yeah. Yeah, that, that sums it up all right there. It's powerful, it's powerful. I've had other testimonies from people who've heard my songs and have said to me, you know, it's touched me, you know, it's really touched me. Um, and a particular song that I've, I've actually tried, I try to stay around the worship thing because of being a worship leader, so I try to stay around that thing, but I took a little step out of my comfort zone and uh, tried to do something crossover, and it was a song called Find. And uh, that song has also been uh, picked up on secular radio stations, non-Christians, and are just going, wow, the lyrics in this song, they're speaking to me. 
I don't know what it's about. I don't even mention God in it, but it's about him being our guiding light. And uh, of course, if you read the words, you'll understand that it's all about Jesus. So it's amazing when you're touching people's lives because that's what we're here for. We're here to reach people for Christ. We're not here to glorify ourselves or put ourselves in a platform. And, uh, you know, when, when I go to do a concert, I just, you know, I get people to get involved. I let them realize that, that I'm nothing at the end of the day, but I'm just here to, to just give what God has given me. And people have been touched by it. And that, that blesses me. It blesses me. And also, Aaron, you tour with the Extreme Tour out there, correct? I haven't, I haven't done that as yet, but <laughs> there's a story with that too, Glenn. Um, three years ago, um, Ted, Ted Brood um, contacted me. He's the top guy, director for, for Extreme Tour. And he contacted me three years ago. I don't even know how he found me. Um, but he, he, he contacted me and, he says, you know, Virgin Music, really blessed by the lyrics that you're putting together, the songs you're putting together, um, really touched by it. And he says, look, I'd love you to come over to Nashville and come to the extreme um, get together. It's a, a, where they connect together and they talk and stuff. And I couldn't go. It was too expensive for me and had other things happening. I mean, this was 2017. Hadn't even released the album at this stage. I released one song. And... Uh, 2018, he contacted me again, same sort of thing. Couldn't make it until about six months ago, no, three months ago. Got a phone call from Ted. Ted was planning to be in the UK. He wanted to meet me. And we connected, and he realized who he was talking to. And so, cut a long story short, um, Ted's coming here in February to discuss Extreme Tour Ireland which will be set up probably around July, August time this year. So what we felt, both of us, that this is just God's perfect timing. It's God's perfect timing. And of course, if you know what the Extreme Tour do, they uh, outreach to people that you wouldn't normally go, places you wouldn't normally go to, like play parks and, and skateboard parks, and you're playing music and you're sharing Christ with people and you're praying with people. And I just thought, this is just God's time. And so three years ago, he couldn't work with me, but today there's been that connection. So it's just a God thing. And this is the thing, God leads these people in your paths because when you start doing what you're doing, when you're being obedient to Christ, and that's what I feel I'm doing right now, I'm just being obedient to Christ, um, I work, believe it or not, as well as a chef. Um, but I feel this calling getting stronger and stronger. And I've just come back from Manchester last weekend um, where I was um, singing at a concert. It was over 80 people at the concert, but it was two people baptized in water. And I was really touched by the people that were baptized in water. And, you know, God's just opening a lot of doors for me, new avenues. And, you know, I really don't know what's ahead, but I need to know one thing that God is in control. And that's all that matters. If our listeners want to find out more about you and listen to some of your, we're going we're going to play found for them in just a minute. Um, where where can they look up more about you and find out more about how God's using you? Well, I mean, I have a YouTube page. Um, it's um YouTube. I think it's forward slash RMV Graham Music or something like that. I mean, if you look me up in YouTube, RMV Graham, you'll find me. I have a website. It's RMVGraham.com. 
I'm also on Facebook, and it's facebook.com forward slash worship Belfast. I'm also on Twitter, your Instagrams. <laughs> if you just Google my name, um, I should come up top of the list for if it is search Aaron V. Graham and you'll find me. Um, my music's on most platforms as well, such as iTunes, Spotify, Amazon. Um, as I say, I just my heart is just to reach people and I'll be wherever I can. And you know what? If anyone who's listening to me wants to talk with me, I'll do that. I do connect with quite a lot of people and because I like to make time for people. I have a family, yes, but I mean I do like to make time for people and I have done and I've connected with some great people um, over the last few years so don't be ashamed to drop me a message and I'll, I'll be glad to talk with you. Aaron, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Just, um, I'll say this one thing that um, as I say, worship we got to understand is a lifestyle. It's how we live our life for Christ and uh, I'll say this in the Old Testament, you had the Ark of the Covenant, where it was a place for people to go and worship God. That Ark was also later brought into the temple where they went to worship God. The thing is, when we go back to that whole verse that we were talking about from John 4, about worshiping God in spirit and in truth, I'll say this, the place where you worship is not important. Whether it be a shack, whether it be a building, whether it be cutting your lawn or you're washing dishes or you're out driving in your car, it doesn't matter where you are, the place is not important. The thing that is important is our heart before God and our spirit man before God and giving him the glory in all that we do. Because I always pray this, Lord, lead me and direct me today that you'd even give me divine appointments to speak to people. And many times when I pray that prayer, God does that and I connect with some wonderful people. So I just encourage you to understand that worship is not just about music, but it's about how you live your life for Christ. And that's putting Christ first in everything that we do. And sometimes that's not easy, but the Bible tells me that we are to be holy for he is holy. And that means being set apart. And I'll say this, that I feel that in our churches today, the world is influencing a lot of things that go on in the church. And I'll encourage you as a worship leader, and if you're involved in worship leader and you're listening to my voice, get right with God and don't let the world influence how you worship God, how you lead people in worship, how you deliver worship to people or how you encourage people to worship. Don't let the world influence it. Because when we let the world in and we let that influence come in, then it's not authentic and it's not real. And we need to be real before God. I think what we need in the church is a, a real fear of God again. The real reverence and fear of God being brought into the churches. As I said in my video, for anyone who has seen it on YouTube or on Facebook, I think we have a lot of feel-good Christians in the churches. You said, Dan, they feel good about this and they feel all high and happy. You know, the gospel is not about a feel-good gospel. The gospel is a very important message that Christ died for each one of us, um, that he died for us and he's rose from the grave, but he also died because he doesn't want us to go to hell. And... Uh, he wants to save us from being 
that going to that place. So I just encourage the listeners to really understand what worship really is and not what you think it is. That's all I'd say to you. When you're not worshiping in spirit and truth, it leaves a vacuum for the world and Satan to come in. There's no doubt about you know, that. As I said to you earlier on, it's like the church is like the theater. The actors are on the stage and the audience is there and they pay attention to what the, the actors are doing. And sadly today, there's a lot of churches that just play an act. They're just, they're just acting the whole thing out. Yeah. And you know something? See, when you're in a place of authentic worship, hmm, it's powerful. It's really powerful. You, you know, uh, as I say, I've grown in the church. I've grown up in the church. I've been a Christian since I was six years old. I've grown up in the church. My father was a pastor. I've been singing since I was 10. Um, I started writing songs in my 16, 17-year-old, something like that. And I've seen a lot of things happening. I've seen a lot of change. And as I said, some things I don't like, some things I'm quite happy with. But sometimes we have these sort of altar calls where we make this altar call, especially in Pentecostal circles. That's where my background is. It's what I'm involved in, where people will come forward for prayer. And, uh, you know, but sometimes... It's a key and it's a show, um, again, because people want to look good and think, oh, yeah, I don't feel good after that. But the thing is, when we are authentic with our worship, none of that sometimes has to happen because people can be touched in their seats. Yeah. People can yeah. be touched when they're standing, worshiping God. That's the type of church that I want to be part of. That's the type of church that I feel that we all need to be part of. When God visits us not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And he connects with our spirit, man. And amazing things happen. And I'm looking for the day when that happens. When we're in that time, when we're, we're worshipping God, and God just shows up. And he does show up sometimes, but I'm looking for more of that. Because I believe he can meet you at the point of your need without somebody coming and laying hands on you to pray over you. And I'm not disregarding that because it, the Bible does say that we're to call for the elders to lay hands upon the sick and they will recover. But because God and your spirit man connect and something powerful really happens. And some of the most precious times of leading worship that I have had have been when small gatherings just together, intimate and just so quiet and God just shows up and it, it's just absolutely amazing. So can I encourage you that we really be authentic about what we're doing. Don't look at your hill songs. Don't look at your Bethel. You see, this is a thing that I've learned too. I mean, I don't know how much churches actually go on, but remember that a lot of these albums are just that. They're albums. They're not what the church does week in, week out. So there's a ton of songs. But I see so many churches trying to imitate that. And yet I'm always reminded to be myself in God. And to be led by his spirit. The only reason we have songs like Hell Songs and Bethel and is because they've got some talented people who write some good songs. There's vineyard people who write some good songs. And I would encourage people as a worship leader not to copy the trends, but to be yourself and start writing some good, solid worship songs based on scripture. Amen. Because we need them. We need them. You know, there's some of these songs that I've heard and you wouldn't even know that they're Christian songs because of the lyrics and you have to be in sung in churches. And uh, 
that kind of makes me wonder, you know, why are we, and, and everybody follows the, the trendiest song that's out at the church at the moment, you know, they've got their favourite songs and it's a top song in the Christian music yeah. and everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. For me personally, I don't sing every trendy song, I do sing some, but I pick and choose very wisely what songs I bring to the congregation because I want to be authentic and I don't want to sing lies before God because there's a lot of songs that are based on I did this and I sing this to you and I tell you Lord that I love you and I'm going to die for you and I'm going to lay down my life for you and there, there are worship songs like that and uh, for me personally I don't think they're for corporate worship and um, that's between you and God but I, I don't think we should be singing lies to God because that's being an actor but that's just where I'm at <laughs> I'm wow. very passionate about what I do because I want to see it authentic worship in the church again you, you bring up a point. People get all excited and whipped up in the flesh and in their soul when they hear their favorite song that they've heard on the radio. You know, being at uh, being done at church, and that's not worshiping in spirit. That's worshiping in your soul and worshiping in your flesh. You're, you're the, just getting worked up. And the source does matter. There are big names that export quote worship all over the world, and some of those churches preach scary things yes and i'm not a legalist i'm not sitting there i know there's differences on what people might refer to as secondary issues i'm not worried about that but if you're preaching that jesus needed to be born again like a sinner or you preach that you're like a little god and you need to exercise your authority in the earth as a small dios like as a small god um that's blasphemy and i don't want your music anywhere in a church that I would go to. And I'm, I'm, I, and that's coming from somebody that hates legalism. I very rarely would put my foot down, but some of the big ministries, they are coming out of very, very skewed doctrine. And, um, there's, I don't know who they're worshiping, you know? Yeah, uh, exactly. I have a clue, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can I, Don, can I just say this, that I have a friend, you may know him. He's called Scott Wesley Bryan. He was a, a Christian singer back in the 80s. Um, he, he wrote a song called Carry the Weight of the Cross. If he carries the weight of the world upon his shoulders was a very famous song. Um, he's actually one of my music mentors. He, he helps me, encourages me. But um, Scott shared a photograph with me recently and he says, my daughter was here. And I says, was she at a rock concert? And he says, no, this is church. And I'm going, what? You know? It's like, that was just like a rock concert. Uh, you know, and the church I go to particularly, I, we don't have the lights, we don't have the flashing strobes, we don't do that sort of thing because I'm an influencer and because I'm in charge of worship, it won't be happening, not in my watch. Um, but there are people who come up to say, to me and will say, oh, can we sing this song? It's, it's really popular on Christian radio. And I'll say to them, I need to check it out first before I'm, even going to commit to that. So I'm, I'm very careful about what songs we do sing. Yeah. Because I was leading worship this morning in my church, and one thing that I always like to do is draw people to the cross, draw people to the cross of Christ and remind them again, once again, that we were crucified with Christ and we no longer live. It's Christ that lives in us. And, and I think that as a worship leader, that's where we need to always draw people to Jesus and draw people to the cross to remind them of that. Yeah. 
So that that's that's where my heart's at. And for our listeners, so that they're not confused, Aaron is not a legalist either. Um, no, nope. your your radio show, he will rock you. You you feature good <laughs> Christian metal and good Christian rock, and that's kind of how we we connected uh, with that. But there's a time and a place for everything. Worship is different than what you would have in a Christian metal song, oftentimes, or a Christian rock song. Mm-hmm. It, it serves a different a different purpose, you know. And yeah, we've seen does. we've seen our friends do that. Harry and Mel from Filthy Rags. I've seen them lead worship in church totally different than what they do during the extreme tour when they're out ministering through through you know it's different vehicles different means and by no means for our listeners is Aaron saying well you know it has to be this particular way or and this is bad he, he is not a legalist in the least bit and i really appreciate your radio show that you have he will rock you not just because of the fact that you featured dan and i on it i mean that was that was that was pretty cool was humbling and very humbling and, and exciting um but the fact that you're influencing and ministering through that as well you're finding the various means to use all your talents and and your giftings that you that you have just just curious yeah, I, mean, I never thought of it when ever do a radio show but you know god has other way but you know what i've connected with a lot of um christian musicians who songs need to be heard because there's some really talented people out there oh yeah who don't really get heard and uh, it, it's really helped me in my ministry as well because you're right you're exactly right i'm not legalistic at all um but what i do in church for leading worship is very different to what i do when i'm performing doing a concert and um, because my heart is to reach people for christ it's not about performing in front of people so they go wow that was brilliant but it's about reaching people for christ so my thrust will always be evangelistic when i do a concert and my heart is to see people one for christ and um, that hasn't happened as yet but I certainly there's certain traits of it that are really starting to touch people um, i guess i'm only really starting out in this journey um, because of getting my music heard and radio and stuff and and play it on television as well so it's it's very humbling to understand that god uses you even in a rock show and connecting with christian metal bands connecting with artists and talking to them relaying um christ with them encouraging them praying with them and again it's another ministry entirely but yet I'm very careful about who I play as well because I want to make sure that their life's right with Christ. And, uh, you know, because I don't want to be a hypocrite that way. But I guess I'm on the front line and I just, you know, I just, my heart's just to reach people for Christ whatever way I do that. And I'm just open to whatever God wants to do at the end of the day. So if he wants me to do a rock show, I do. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that music anyway. So that's what I've grown up with. So it's something that's, I enjoy, I enjoy it, I have to admit it, because it's something I was involved in. I was in a Christian metal band years ago, so and I got frustrated with it because, again, it was just, it wasn't authentic. Um, there wasn't that desire to reach people to see him. It was more about entertaining people and trying to look good in front of fans and stuff. And, you know, the, 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 these things, they're immaterial, really, at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, it's just worship God and just give him the glory and just reach people for Christ. That's that's my heart. It's always been my heart. That's what it's about. It's about the souls. Yeah. When I, I think real sheep, really born again, regenerate believers, after a while, they get tired of the uh the show, the smoke machine, the lights, the seeker sensitivity, the proper colors, you know, of the sanction all, all the different Madison Avenue marketing techniques. They get tired of that. They desire 
the fragrance of Christ. They mm-hmm. want to to worship God and there's a depth there's a renewal there's such beautiful things that happens when we he's that good we pour out our hearts before him in worship and we come away so edified it's almost hard not to be selfish you know in worship because he is that good and and everybody's at a different place but that's that's a beautiful testimony I really 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 am excited that you've been there for 20 years Sounds like you've gone through experiences and suffering and all sorts of different things that have brought you to a beautiful place of um, of of strength and standing where you're at. And it does have an effect because it's really bad out there. I don't want to be gloomy with the the church and God is sovereign and everything that he's doing and allowing to happen. But it is it is it's it's really gross a lot of the things that are going on and as much of that that we can move off the road so that people can understand what's worship and what's not worship and it's not just we're not a bunch of legalists it's weird we're all like heavy metal fans yeah. <laughs> we're a weird group <laughs> you know normally the, the the people that would talk like this might be very traditional like they would right. never they'd be like um you know they would never even have a christian heavy metal album in their in their home or, or listen to any uh, secular music or anything outside but what we're talking about is not mixing the streams of if something yeah. is clearly entertainment, I can enjoy hearing someone play jazz while I'm eating yeah. a steak. It's entertainment. Right? Yeah. It's entertainment. Yeah. But when I'm going before God, being led in worship, I want somebody like Aaron up yeah. there, not making a spectacle of himself, but drawing me in before the throne yeah. room. Beautiful. Beautiful. And here's one of the things too, Aaron, is that you talk about the authenticity and lost people. When they walk into a church, you know, if they happen to stumble into one or they're invited to one where it's not authentic, one of the things that I've learned in my Christian walk is that somebody who's lost can see right through they that. They know it. They man. know it. You know, and that's why there's yeah. such a distaste for the gospel. It's a stumbling block. Being a hypocrite yeah. and being not authentic, being not real, okay. Is a stumbling yeah. block to the lost. We don't even like non-authentic secular music. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to be the Nickelback of worship. Sorry, Nickelback. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's important to be authentic. Yeah, That's why we need the discernment of the Spirit. Yes, that's true. That's why we need to discern what is of God and what is not of God. You know, we can go back to the whole Lakeland Revival thing and you can look at all these different so-called revivals that take place and then you see people running off with other women and who were involved in that and uh, you know <laughs> oh, yeah. people get caught up yep. in the whole emotion of what's going on and yet you know you know yourself there's something not quite right here yep. me. I mean God's not going to do something that's going to upset you I don't believe God upsets any of us God does things in order, and as I've, you've heard me say this before, there's a lot of disorder in the church. Yes, um, and we've allowed disorder to come into the church. But when we're being authentic, then you'll see what's real and not. So I have gone to other churches where I've seen, and I just said to myself, something not quite right here, you know. And if I'm seeing that, then somebody who's not seeing is also recognizing that too. Yes, they are. It's not hard to pick up. No. You know? But again, let's just be authentic about what we're doing because, and we need, I, I can't stress this enough, the church needs to change. We need to be different. We need we need to be set apart. That's that's our job. You know, I even think, I mean, I'm going to go down another line here, but 
even preaching the gospel to the converted, you know, um, it's just a feel-good sermon. It tickles people's ears, but unless we're actually prepared to get off our butts and go out and reach people for Christ, then we'll waste no time even having services like that too. Um, it's just where my heart is. Look, I just want to be real before God. I just want the church to be real. It's it's something that I'm very passionate about. It's something that I talk a lot about, and uh, sadly, there needs to be change. And worship shouldn't be seen as this great brand that the music business has put out. It shouldn't be seen that way that it's making thousands of dollars or pounds, whatever. For I'm from here, and you, you know, our goal should not be specifically to make lots and lots of money out of songs that we write. Our goal should be to reach people for Christ, first and foremost. Put him first. Amen. When we put Christ first in everything, then everything else just falls into place. What does the Bible say? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things be will added. be added unto you. Yes. I am where I am today because God has let this happen. That's the simple answer. Um, didn't plan any of it. Didn't plan. I mean, uh, I can share another short testimony if you don't mind. I'm enjoying talking with both of you here today. I'm really enjoying being here. But this is a remarkable thing how God operates. All my music is produced in Brazil. I have one person plays all the music on it. Um, I write the songs, and basically, I send him my basic tracks, and he puts it all together for me. He's a great friend of mine. But in 2011, I brought him over to here, Northern Ireland. I organized a seven-day tour for him. He sang around different churches. We became very good friends. I met him on Facebook, on the internet, and I invited him to a risk. Um, invited him to my mom's, mom and dad's house at the time, and they stayed there, him and his wife. And, and we connected, and he said something to me back in 2011. Look, I'm going to help you with your music. I'll, I'll, I'll produce. He's a fantastic singer-songwriter himself. He's a fantastic producer. He has very different beliefs to me in Christianity. Um, but this is a wonderful thing, how God operates. Um, anyway, so that was 2011. And he came back again in 2013. He was a little cold with me. Tried to find out what was going on. Couldn't get to the bottom of it. Heard nothing from him. From 2013... To 2017, he contacted me in January, and he says, "I have to apologize because I promised to do something for you." And he says, "Before God, I have to be real and authentic and honest. I promised I would help you record an album." And I was a bit skeptical, to be honest with you, about this, because um, I've heard this before. People saying certain things to me, and lo and behold, we did. And I found out that people had been spreading lies about me to him. He believed them. And, of course, none of them were true. Um, it was just to do with jealousy, really, at the end of the day. And um, we released Not About Us in September 2017. And it was since then that God has done something with my music. It's since then that I am where I am today. And I just go, Wow. That was something that God did. That was something that I didn't do at all. And <laughs> it's amazing when God does things like that. And he called him Felipe Gonzalez. He's from Venezuela. 
he's a missionary pastor with uh, a very reformed Baptist church. Um, that's that's a, the denomination he's with. Um, I'm a Pentecostal, and so you can see the mixture there. But he encourages me. He likes my songs. That's why he works with me. That's why we work together. And uh, God brought us together for a purpose, no reason. So when you hear my music, that's him playing. It's just me. I write the songs. I sing on it, and he does the rest. And he's just a phenomenal guy. And if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't hear my songs. Aaron, for the month of... Wow, we're in October. Can you believe that, Dan? No, for the month of October, we're going to be featuring you on the Lithos Cry website at lithoscry.com as the prophetic artist of the month. Uh, I really want our listeners and the people that we reach out to to really soak in everything that you shared with us today, um, especially concerning worship and the posture of a worship leader's heart, the difference between entertainment and worship. I think that's huge. It takes time to mature into that, and I think a lot of believers don't delineate the difference between entertainment and, and true worship. Uh, so lithoscry.com, we're going to be featuring you as our prophetic artist of the month for the month of October. And for our listeners right now, I'd like them to take a listen to the new track that just came out uh, from your album that you have out now, Guiding Light. It's called Found. And uh, everybody just sit back and, and listen and, and just listen to God work through this man, Aaron Graham, through this song, Found. I've been looking for the answers I've been searching for the truth Struggled with my past I need to find the truth It's found in you 